When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome once again. This is the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by Frances Tomas, as seen on ESPN and Barca Blog. And myself, Dan Hilton, from the Barca Blog team. As always, we're delighted you're here listening for an opinionated take on the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Please subscribe, comment, support the show, and take advantage of the many deals we offer. You can get all those things on our website. And if you want to talk to us, interact with us, our website is the best place to do that as well. Frances, we might as well get started quickly because... Neymar has just brought us an exhausting amount of transfer rumors. He really has, and then every two seconds things seem to change. So today we're going to be talking about Philippe Coutinho and the possible transfer from Liverpool, which, according to which outlet you look at, is already finalized or is never going to happen. So we don't really know what's going to be happening in a minute. Then we're going to look at Inigo Martinez from Real Sociedad, the centre-back that is very promising, and Barca have been linked with as well. And finally, we're going to look at Arda Turan, and whether or not he will be with us in the season that's about to start. So let's get started. Well, before we start about all the exhausting transfer rumors, we're actually going to start with one of the players who Barcelona have brought in, and it's not on the male side. In most recent news, we just want to make a quick note of this as well. Barcelona does have a women's team, and Lika Martins was the player of the tournament at the Women's European Championship. She's a winger who Barcelona signed this summer. She scored three goals, including a goal in the 4-2 win against Denmark for the Netherlands in the final. And she had two assists as well, and that's what won her the Player of the Tournament Award as Netherlands also captured the championship. 
And not only that, Barcelona this summer also signed the English international Tony Dugan, French international Elise Busaglia, and a Macedonian international in Natasha and Danova. So while the men's side of things are having trouble with their transfer window, Frances, the women's side of things have kind of wrapped everything up quickly, and they've got a promising young player. And while she is not necessarily young, she's in her mid-20s at 24, still an exciting new piece of the puzzle on the women's side of things for Barcelona. I think it is fantastic that Barca are proving once again that we're a club. Obviously, the football transfer in terms of the men's is what everyone talks about during the summer. But we've got a basketball team. Uh, they've got a couple of signings as well, and they're looking to improve in previous season. We've got a baseball team. We've got athletics teams. We've got um, hockey teams. We've got all sorts. And um, obviously, going back to football, having the women's team really does make a difference. So great signing for the team, and hopefully they can be successful again next year. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be an exciting thing to watch. And here on the Barcelona podcast, we're going to periodically update you on exactly how the women are doing, because just like the men, they have aspirations of the Champions League trophy, and they have big aspirations of doing well on the domestic side as well. So let's get to our first big topic, though, today. And of course, as you had mentioned, Frances, that is the transfer saga of Philippe Coutinho, 222 million euro from the Neymar cell has to go somewhere. And before the Neymar saga happened. Coutinho was one of the names at the top of the queue, along with Marco Verratti. And it seems like Coutinho, as you had mentioned, Frances, depending on who you ask, is either a done deal or never going to happen. And instead of talking necessarily about what we have in previous episodes, about what Coutinho can bring, about what kind of the player he is and what he would mean for the club, I think today we're going to focus on the sources and how you go through Twitter or Facebook or wherever you get your different media sources and who to trust and how to trust them. And I think, Frances, for me, it breaks down to until the club officially announces a transfer, until the player has a medical and is presented by the club, the player can't feature for the club anyway. So as fun as it is and as exciting as it is for new players to happen, and I understand that's a really important part of the summer, in truth, for us to try to look at and hypothesize what kind of season Barcelona is going to have, we can only really do it on the back of the players that are already with the club right now. Without a doubt. And um, what happens here is that there's so many media outlets out there that want everyone's attention that people seem to jump the gun a bit and go ahead with um, crazy like official uh, Coutinho has signed for Barca for 120 million, etc. Or the ongoing that sport newspaper seems to be having on a daily basis, which is um, the deal for Coutinho or Dembele or whoever you want to put in here is imminent. It's a, a matter of hours, you know, and um it really drives fans on Twitter, fans in the streets um, into meltdown because everyone thinks that everything's finalized. Then the very next day, that player is no longer an option. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit exhausting, to be honest. But I think it all comes down to seeing who the player is, what their achievements so far have been, and most importantly, whether or not they will fit in the team. And um, our job this summer, and everyone's job during the summer, is to work out whether the club are on track to signing a fantastic player or a player that will eventually be a waste of money. So that, that's what we're trying to do here. But uh, in terms of the sources, Catalan media, and, and which is obviously our sport, Mundo Deportivo and others, like Les Portillo, but you know, the, the, the first two are the main ones. They've got a whole newspaper to fill every day. You know, it's not like, say, in the UK or in the United States, in which you've got the back pages or the middle pages that are dedicated to sport. In Spain, you've got the two newspapers in Catalonia, which are Sport and Mundo Deportivo. 
And then you've got the Spanish ones. You've got Marca and As. And then you've got Mundo Deportivo in northern Spain for Real Sociedad and Athletic Bilbao, for example. You've got the Valencia version of it as well. So there are so many papers that need filling that it is, it is in a way, understandable that there are so many transfer stories filling the newspapers up. But um, I think fans in Spain and hopefully globally now are beginning to learn that unless the Barca FCBarcelona.com website has got it as confirmed, nothing really matters at all. So just keep waiting for an official announcement. And uh, all we can do is sort of dream about, hypothesize about what the player could be when they're with us. But nothing is official until the, fi- the official confirmation has come from the club itself. I think another important note you have to look at, too, is while from the Barcelona side of things, Mundo Deportivo and Sport are going to be on the pulse of Barcelona, on the other side of things, for players coming into the club, one of the better sources to always look at are the local newspapers around the club that the player is from. So let's say for Usmani Dembele, Bild, of course, which is one of the bigger papers in Germany, has tons of stories on it every day or every other day, and they seem to be not necessarily not as trustworthy, but can you really hypothesize that they have the best sources as opposed to a smaller, more local paper or the beat writers, the beat reporters in Dortmund itself? So that's the whole thing about with the Coutinho transfer, where while BBC Sport isn't necessarily you know exactly going to be right, BBC Sport is going to have a very close relationship with Liverpool as they do. So those kind of sources are a little more trustworthy than just, say, a Marca, just because of that's where they are. Of course, Marca right now is going to be covering Real Madrid and what's happening with Real Madrid and what's happening in the Liga, what's happening in Spanish football, more than they would be caring about exactly what's happening from training session to training session going on in Liverpool with Philippe Coutinho. So to trust BBC Sport a little more than Marca, you have to look at the player, the story, and basically build tiers. This is the kind of outlet that is going to be on the pulse of that team, and I think those are much more trustworthy. So when it comes to the Philippe Coutinho news, it seems like if you look at some of the newspapers and sources that are closer to Liverpool and closer to the club, it seems that it's not imminent, but Barcelona is much closer to the player with all that Neymar money than he was a week ago. But of course he is, because now Barcelona have 120 million euros to spend on the player. Well, yeah, they have the money available. That doesn't mean they're going to spend it on the player itself. I think Barca would be silly to just go crazy and buy whoever they want, as if it, you know, if it was um, an art gallery. You know, you've got the money, you've got huge amounts, much more than we wanted in a way, because obviously it would have been better if Neymar didn't prefer the money. And, and leave for PSG but you know that's that's where we are now we've got a bank full of money and everyone knows about it so the fact that we've got those funds in there doesn't necessarily mean we have to spend them um, going for Coutinho uh, considering the transfer market this season I would say anything over 100 million euros is crazy we shouldn't do it you know um, I know that Liverpool are asking for 120 million in my eyes that's way too much for him you know that if you put it into perspective, that's more than Pogba was worth last season. And you definitely want Pogba ahead of Coutinho um, in the current football market. So I don't really see the point of Barca going crazy like that. I read reports about Dembele today saying that Dortmund is asking for over 100 million as well. Um, some reports, 
saying that it was 150 million, which is insane, an insane amount of money. You know, that's Neymar doubled the world's more expensive transfer ever and went for 222 million just a week ago. So I don't think there's anything to justify that Dembele, who was signed last year from France for 15 to 20 million by Borussia Dortmund, has, has jumped in value so much after just one season in Germany. I just don't buy it. So I think what the board need to do is analyze the funds that we've got, see what the market is offering. If the market is offering something that is interesting, e.g. Coutinho, Dembélé, Seri, I think would be quite a good signing as well. But, you know, you need to see whether the money that we've got would be enough for their demands. But then again, also, whether it is worth us investing the money. So going crazy and doing a Juan Gaspar going back 10, 15 years to the Figo fiasco when they signed um, Petit, Overmars and Gerard Lopez for the Figo money would be a huge mistake. And uh, I'd rather Barca sign nobody than that they waste over 100 million in either one of the two or three players that we're mentioning. Maybe a better objective that Barcelona should have, as you're kind of alluding to in this transfer market with all this money, is to go after basically the players that they were going to go after originally. And if those prices have skyrocketed, then they stop going for those players. Now, one of the good examples of that brings us into topic two, and that's Inigo Martinez, who over the last week seemed like it was a done deal, and now it seems like it might be off and things are changing from day to day. But instead of talking about Inigo Martinez, which that transfer does seem to be pretty much dead, as Mundo Deportivo have reported, Martinez, you have to ask, is a player that isn't a splashy name. He fits with the system, of course, of a Basque player that Ernesto Valverde, having been at Bilbao, would know from, again, the rivalry games with Real Sociedad. So it's no wonder that Valverde would like Martinez. But you also look back, Tito Martinez and Luis Enrique, when they were in charge, were also linked with the Real Sociedad left-footed defender. Now, it seems like Barcelona are no longer interested simply because they have the first option on Yuri Mina, the Colombian defender who plays for Palmeiras, who appears to be coming in the winter market for a very reasonable price. He'll be coming over 22, 23 years old, is a Colombian defender. But it begs the question, Frances, why would Barcelona from the start have been interested in Martinez? Is it because they just don't trust Marlon Santos? Is it they think Javier Mastrano has lost a step? And for me, I mean, you can refute this, but I think it could be something as simple as you have Samuel Umtiti, being a left-footed defender, Thomas Vermillion, the other left-footed center back on the roster, of course, they're expecting Vermillion to get a club, and he's not trusted by Valverde anyway in the board. But Marlon Santos and Mascherano are both right-footed as well. So it could be something as simple as tactically, Valverde just wants a left-footed center defender to play on the left side. I think signing Inigo Martinez would be a great choice for 32 million euros. Um, he's a player that has been playing professional football for six seasons now. He's played in excess of 40 games for the last five of them, um, a combined 222 games since 2011. I think that would be a great buy for 32 million. Now, the problem with Barca this summer is that we've got way too many players. Definitely way too many players in midfield. And we've spoken about that at length in our previous podcast, which I strongly recommend that our viewers go back and listen to if they haven't. Um, but is the amount, the sheer amount of people that are in that dressing room is just is just crazy. In terms of the centre back, as you mentioned, uh, Mascherano is not going to have as important a role this season as he had in previous. 
I think he, at this moment in time, is third behind Umtiti and Piquet, and I would say solidly third. If Jerry Mina is coming in the winter, he would slot in front of Mascherano. But I think Illigo Martinez, if he was to be signed, he should be ahead of Mascherano as well. And um, during the summer preseason, Valverde has been working very closely with Marlon. And uh, if Mundo Deportivo, just today in the last hour, are reporting that Barca are no longer interested in Martinez, it can only be because um, Valverde and the coaches and the, and the board even have decided together that Marlon is going to be given a chance in the first team. But considering Barca B have been promoted to the second division, Segunda División A, this year, um, I would have thought that Marlon would be playing solidly with the B team and being called up to the A team whenever needed. And uh, Martinez would be a really good choice for that gap to be covered. But um, if that's what the board have decided together with the coach, then they must have seen something that I haven't. So, you know, so, so, so be it. But I really do think, given the numbers that have been thrown around in the current uh, transfer window, signing Martinez would be a, a good buy. And where do you stand, Frances, on bringing in players based on their development as well. One of the reasons why we both like Martinez as a possible choice to come in is he's shown now, as you had mentioned, for six seasons in La Liga that he's a capable defender and he's one of the best defenders that aren't on one of the big clubs in La Liga. And Real Sociedad, of course, have aspirations of being a big club and they have had good seasons in the past, but over the last few years, they have been somewhere between the top of the table and fighting relegation, so kind of bogged down in the middle. But Martinez for no fault of his, has, as we had talked about, been one of the better defenders in the Liga. And the other thing that I think Valverde and the board are looking at is the fact that he's a guy you don't have to develop. You know exactly what you're getting with him. And when it comes to transfers that wind up being inflated, Barcelona want to make sure that they're getting exactly what they're paying for. And so if they're going to pay 30 to $40 million for a center defender like Martinez, it's a good thing to know that they're going to get exactly what they're paying for because he's shown that time and time again in La Liga. He's a very good player when building from the back. He's used to, to play in, in sort of an attacking team. Let's not forget that Real Sociedad, similarly to Atletico de Bilbao, they're not a team that are sort of like, say, Malaga or Getafe or, you know, one of those ultra-defensive teams that sort of hold at the back. Real Sociedad have always been brave and they've played sort of on a one-to-one -one basis against Madrid and, and and Barca as well. When I say on a one-to-one -one basis, it means on an equal basis. It's cara cara, uno a uno in Spanish. And what that means is that they are not afraid of their rivals. So wherever they go, they try to play their own football. And uh, that is something to, that sort of teams not of the, of the size of Barca and Madrid need to be commended for. And Real Sociedad have been for a very good number of years, definitely the last six. So... Considering you've got Martinez, established player, confident player, really well respected around the league. Uh, let's not forget he was linked with a move to Barca under Pep Guardiola in 2013. And the players that were being talked around at the time were Isco and Muniain, who obviously has been starring for Atleti de Bilbao since. So Inigo Martinez is not a sort of newcomer in the Barca agenda, but given his progression throughout the years, given the way, the way that he handles himself, professionalism, he's an international as well, um, I think he would be a great addition, you know? And uh, I, was, I was thinking something while you were talking earlier. Um, two, three weeks ago, we kept talking about Paulinho, you know? And that is a name that we haven't had to talk about this week, which I am delighted about 
But um, if you think about it, they're talking about bringing Paulinho for 40 million euros from China when you've got Inigo Martinez, who's a proven La Liga player, going for 32. In my eyes, it makes perfect sense. And for those doing the math at home, you'd say you got 222 million from Neymar, and if Barcelona are expecting to spend 100 to 120 on Coutinho, 100 to 110 on Dembele, and then somehow find the money as well from Martinez, well, the answer to that would be what Barcelona haven't done, is that, and that because of the Neymar saga, Barcelona haven't been able to take the time to sell their players. So we haven't really seen an exodus like we had spoken about even months ago that we'd expected. And now one of the names at the top of that list that you and I had talked about on absolutely show number one of the Barcelona podcast, that Arda Turan was a name we expected not to be on the team once the season started. And it seems like Arda Turan, over the course of the summer, gave it his try, had Valverde take a look at him, but not playing in the most recent Juan Camper Trophy game. It seems like Tehran is the guy who could be on, finally, the first man out of this whole midfield logjam, if you will. It seems like Arda Tehran have Galatasaray wanting him, and Barcelona want to sell him. It's just that it seems like Tehran and his agent are the two guys who just want to be happy at Barcelona, and they're just, there seems to be something amiss with Tehran not wanting to leave the club. Let's, let's put it this way, right? Um, in the Juan Gampa, um, Valverde started with what arguably is going to be his ideal 11. Obviously, De Lufeu started in the left wing as well. Um, and you would have thought that either Coutinho, Dembele, or Imaez, hopefully Dybala, um, would be taking that, that step at some point um, this summer. Everyone else was sort of the ideal team that Valverde has seen over the preseason and, and he's going to be trusting going forward. Fair enough. Arda Turan, not a part of the starting 11. Then the second half starts. You've got um, Denis Suarez coming in on the left wing. That's someone that is coming ahead of Turan. And again, that's understandable. He's a developing player who's shown quite a bit of brilliance at times. You know, lacks consistency, but, you know, some, someone for the future. Then on the 75th minute, you've got people like um, Samper. You've got people like, um, say, Munir coming in. And Arda Turan is watching all of this from the bench. Sat down, looking around, I said, what am I doing here? You know, wh- why am I here? And um, to, 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 honestly, it, it, words escaped me. Why wouldn't you sort of take the hint and think, well, actually, I'm not really wanted. Actually, you've got youngsters that all over the press are being discussed as outgoing and they're being given the chance at the Camp Nou in the first game of the season Fair enough, a friendly, but the camper means quite a lot for Catalans because of the tradition of it. And I'm not even considered, I'm not even given 10, 15 minutes at the end. I think that if that is not clear, then really he needs to go to, um, to get his eyesight checked because it is crystal clear that Valverde doesn't need him. He's not going to have any part to play this season. And if Galatasaray want him, then he needs to be exploring his options and giving facilities to the club to finalize the transfer because he's not doing anything at Barca right now. And for fans who are worried and Kool-Aid who are worried that having Tehran and Vermeulen and Douglas still on the squad as we get closer and closer to the transfer window closing, they I don't think they should be as concerned as they think they are because those players, while of course don't have a place in the squad this season, they're not players that have ever caused distractions. They're players who have trained well, trained hard, fought for their place. 
and haven't been a detriment to the, the vibe and the camaraderie of the team. Douglas has always been when there were plenty of Brazilians on the squad. Now it's just Douglas and Rafinha, another player who we've talked about, could be on his way out in a few weeks when he recovers from injury. Those two now, the only Brazilians hanging out, but Douglas still has not been negative to the team. Munir is still saying all the right things, even though clearly he's a young player who has a bright future ahead, but probably not at the camp, no. But if Tehran, he seems to be the one of between Vermelion, Douglas, and Munir that would expect to get playing time. And I think Tehran of those four, as we had talked again, that Munir, yes, because he's young, he could have a bigger number, a double-digit number attached to him, whether it's 10 or 15. But Tehran is the one who could go for 30 or could go for 40. So I think of all those four, Tehran would be the biggest distraction in terms of money going out. And as I had begun this segment to talk about, that Coutinho and Dembele and those big, big names, attacking options, they are equivalent to the Neymar money. But if you sell Tehran to Galatasaray for 25 $30 million, that makes the transfer of Martinez or some other defender in the nebulous make more sense. And those numbers still work out if you can find nice partners for a reasonable amount for a guy like Tehran. So I'd say that in a week, Tehran could find his way out, but it'd be a puzzling thing to me, Frances, if we find in a week's time, or should we say three weeks' time, and the transfer window closes, that Tehran is still on the squad. Because as you had talked about in the Gampere Trophy, Denise Suarez, with Neymar out, before replacement comes in, seems to be part of that left-wing solution right now with Delefeu. And Rafinha's also played up there, but again, Rafinha currently injured. We don't really know if he winds up still being on the team, where exactly he'll feature, most likely on the wing, as Sergi Roberto has come back in the midfield. But with Suarez, Denise Suarez, that would be the player I'd go with before Tehran. So that automatically, behind Gerard Delefeu and Denise Suarez, puts Tehran third on the depth chart on the wing. And that's not including one of the players that we know will certainly be coming in into the starting 11, whether it's Coutinho or Nibele, etc., etc. As I said, it makes no sense for, for Arda Turan to still be in the squad. He needs to be seeing what's going on and needs to be taking action. Um, I want to mention another point here which is that there's a lot of players that have been talked about as a replacement, direct replacement for, ne- for Neymar. But um, I- I'm sort of wondering, Neymar is the best at doing what he does. You know, he left Barca in a really sort of, I would say, disappointing manner, um, for lack of a better word. And I think Barca needs to be sort of clever not to try to replace on a like-for-like Maybe have someone like Alcácer doing the job for a little while. Maybe the Lufeo filling in. It's not always going to be a player leaving and someone being replaced. It may be time for Messi to reinvent himself a, a little bit more for the 97th time. Maybe the mechanisms up front can change as well. So having someone of different qualities coming in could work out. Um, but the, 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 the point, the reason why I'm saying this is that it doesn't seem to be that Turan is even in the question for even doing that. You know, because um, even if you got Jordi Alba zooming past past the la- past your left, having someone overlapping from there uh, would be an option. But if Alberto hasn't seen it in the last five six weeks that he's working with Turan, then he really has no choice. In terms of the offers that we may get for Turan, um, Galatasaray are thinking reportedly of offering two between two and four million for him. So um, it probably does make sense to keep him for three four months until the transfer window in China 
appears again. Um, as you know, the winter transfer window for Europe is the summer, what is the off season for China. So um, if there is a good offer to come for Tehran, is most likely going to come from China in three, four months' time. So um, reportedly, Arda has been talking to his agent and talking to the club to do that, to wait a little bit longer so that a better offer for himself and at the same time the club does come in three, four months' time. But um, I think it's a no-go in any way. And that'll bring us right into our fan question of the day. This one comes from YouTube, from Snaba Glasogin. And apologies on pronunciation as well. When you have fans from all over the world, it's hard necessarily to tell the pronunciations. But anyway, Snaba asks, could you discuss why our buyout clauses are so low compared to Real Madrid? Messi has a 300 million euro buyout clause, which we now know with Neymar is something that clubs potentially, at least the top clubs, can potentially pay. While Cristiano Ronaldo has a 1 billion euro release clause, Umtiti at 60 million, Delefeu at 35, Roberto at 45, with Madrid's Danny Caballo just signed for 500 million release clause, Asensio's got 350 million, so much higher even than Neymar's. Basically, the question is why are Barcelona's club release clauses so much lower than Real Madrid's? And I think, Frances, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Club loyalty is probably the big term that we need to bring up and that Barcelona expects that the players playing for the club want to stay there. And so the release clause doesn't really play that much into effect if the players want to stay at Barcelona. Yeah, I think we need to consider whether this release clause in Spanish football actually helps anybody. Because in Barca's position, it really makes no sense at all to have a release clause um, so that someone like PSG can come and just snatch up a player. Um, Spanish football is a serious disadvantage with everybody else because of this release clause sort of business and, and method that has been implemented. Having said that, Real Madrid have obviously been much more clever when signing players and they've given them considerable release clauses that if the club doesn't want to sell are unattainable, unattainable for anybody else. Having Messi at risk of leaving for 300 million is not very good at all. And it's not very good business. So what I would say is that um, Josep Maria Bartomeu and his board have once again not done their homework and they should have been pushing for a better, most favorable release clause to be implemented if, as is the case, we have to live with release clauses in, in Spanish football anyway. And would increasing those release clauses then give the club more leverage and more control? And Frances, as I had mentioned about club loyalty, do you think Barcelona need more control over their player in terms of release clauses? I think so, yeah. I think that if the release clause ceiling is non-existent, so you can make it as high as you want, then you should go as high as you possibly can and get the players to agree. Because let's not forget, if you're signing a player you're buying a fee from whatever club they're coming from, unless they're a La Masia graduate, which in, in, is the case with Messi and Iniesta, etc., in which case that needs to be negotiated. But when the player is coming to you and you're paying the previous club for a fee, then having a release clause that is very, very, very high and favorably high, then shouldn't really be a problem. The problem comes when you're renewing contracts on a yearly basis, like Neymar wanted us to do, and uh, then they start sort of getting a little bit shady about it. But as you, as you sort of mentioned, if the player is, ro is loyal, if the player really wants to be here, having a release clause that, clause that is really high should not necessarily be a problem. But 
again, Basa being caught up sleeping because Real Madrid are doing the homework. Atletico Madrid are actually doing the homework as well. Because think about last summer when we wanted to buy Coque, we just couldn't meet the release clause. It was impossible. So as as I said, we are just not as effective as a board, as a club, as we really should be. Well, Francis, between talking about release clauses and transfer rumors, etc., etc., we're going to talk about it on the next show as we preview the two-legged Super Cup with Real Madrid. But, Frances, we are so close to actual football, and we do want to say that we appreciate all the different fans that have given us feedback and reaction and have helped us And in the last few weeks as we've built this show over the summer without any real football having been played. We want to thank, in particular, some of our new reviews on iTunes, at least in the United States. Christian Fitz gave us five stars, said, loving the new podcast, as well as BK2438 saying, fantastic pod, giving us five stars. We appreciate, again, all the different feedback we're getting, and particularly with the fan questions, we love answering these. And if you give us a good one, now, of course, there's a lot of ones we don't get to because a lot of it is, is Coutinho done? And, of course, Frances, you and I, just like the rest, can only hypothesize whether or not these deals are done until the players are presented. And FC Barcelona, the actual verified accounts of FC Barcelona tell us that these deals are done. Just like everyone else, you and I aren't necessarily sure. But if you ask us a good question, as Snaba did today, then we'd love to answer it. We'll continue to answer these. And Frances, we're building up to a point where if we get enough good questions, we actually are going to be able to take those and make a show completely of fan questions. And is there anything else to go today, Frances? No, I just think that, as just you said, we're very grateful for the questions that are coming. And uh, it's making our pre-show preparation much harder because it is difficult to select which questions are, are making it to the show because there are so many and so many good ones so thank you very much keep it up guys and as always thanks so much for listening to the barcelona podcast as we continue to bring you the hottest breaking stories from the camp no until next time we'll talk to you soon and forza barca forza Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.